How's your practice? Today. Today. I cried. We talking about practice. Not a game. Not a game. We talking about practice. Practice, man. I mean, how silly is that? Welcome to Mysore Magic, a weekly podcast where we explore the practice of Ashtanga Yoga. We take a look at the things that come up on the mat and beyond. We're your hosts, Pat and Abby. You know, I think I had had a few months of very terrible practices, and then recently it's been a little bit more um, calm and stable, and I'm hoping that lasts. And I've had this, like, string of those practices, and I've been kind of surprised by that, but I think I went through, like, a really intense couple months of practices where I basically was, like, crying at the end or throughout it the whole time and feeling really terrible in my practice and my body and all that stuff. Um, and then seems to have passed, I think. Calm and stable. Um, when you say that, what does that mean? Just like in terms of individual poses, the entire thing? I think the whole thing. I think it's like I have been able to go from, um, it's, it's like I've been able to stay more present in my practice. And so when I can stay more present in it, um, I feel a lot calmer. So it's like staying with my breath and just kind of, you know, very focused. Yeah. Controlling the mind. Yeah, and I think I struggled for a while to control because I had so much going on. I had a hard time controlling, like, this, like, influx of emotions. And so I was getting, like, triggered really easily in practice and getting, like, mad at my teacher and, like, projecting things on the room and the space and whatever. And so it was really just, like, me maybe fighting what I was feeling and then it coming out anyways and then... I would just like focus on the bad thoughts and kind of like I began to sort of spiral. So I came up with this thing really about maybe about a month ago almost. Um, where I was like, okay, like my, you know, I had like an injury going on in my back and my hip. I've talked about it before. And it was really hard for me to focus when there's pain. And I think um, I did like a suture talk thing or I went to a suture talk with someone who's like a scholar in the, with a person that's like a scholar of like the the sutras and everything and he was talking about how you know one of the reasons why you try to take care of your body outside of practice is because you know whenever there's pain or there's something wrong it's really hard to control the mind because we get focused on the pain so that makes sense to me yeah so it's like something hurts and then I feel the pain everywhere so it's like in my mind and everything so I kind of thought about that for a while and then was able to take my practice and look at it as a whole, like, okay, like this injury is kind of debilitating me, but it's really not affecting my entire practice. Like I can still do a lot of the things. So like, what can I do well? So I sort of started thinking about that as I was practicing, like not focusing on the part that like felt uncomfortable because I knew it wasn't a, like I had a little bit of a strain, but it wasn't, it was more of an emotional injury, mm-hmm. really. And so I was like, okay, what else, what do I do well? Let's, let's focus on recruiting the, my strengths instead of focusing on the weakness. And then something from there kind of shifted. So you believe in that there's a difference between emotional pain and physical pain and that they can express themselves in a similar way? Um, I do think that they can um, express themselves in the same way, especially in practice. Like when you're in practice, you're so you're like 
I don't know, it's a way of bringing the mind in alignment with the body. And I think that sometimes um, the pain that might be in the mind more easily expresses itself in the body. And this is really just like my theory of things that I actually don't yeah, know if it's true. Yeah, experts. So. <laughs> yeah, this is just me like making sense of it. Um, because usually, and then it's like the pain went away after a couple practices like that. So it kind of like, and that, that happens to me a lot. I go through something kind of emotional or I'm focused on a problem in my life. I get injured. I kind of lash out and then I have to like pull it back in. And once I do that, it goes away. But it feels super real at the time. Seems like a pattern. It is a pattern, for sure. So is it a pattern that you're trying to use a shtanga to break? You know, that's a good question. I don't know. Like, I don't know if it was built in a shtanga or if it was something that I was going through before that and it just became more pronounced there. Probably both. It's probably both. I probably did this a lot. I probably went through these sort of cycles in life and didn't really identify it. You know, sometimes when you put structure into things, you're more able to identify where like the problem areas are. And I'm sure that I had like similar things that came up and it's probably a cycle I've had for a while. And, you know, but it's more pronounced sometimes in practice because sometimes when you're more aware of it, it then becomes bigger, Mm -hmm. you know, like, like you don't know you have a problem then you become aware of it and you that's the only thing you see you're like oh my god this is so huge what am I gonna do and then you have to like work through it I mean that's yeah I mean mirroring mm-hmm. the two mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when I get an injury I tend to focus on that and my whole practice you know starts to morph into almost a negative one yeah, I think we, I think that is super, that's really common. I think that's something that we all kind of do is like, I mean, I think it's human nature. You get hurt and your brain's like, stop, you're hurt, yeah. you know, like in probably anything. And you just have to kind of sort of have a better relationship with the pain because I don't think that, I think a life without pain is like impossible. Duh. So, you know, you have to just learn how to move with pain, whether it's emotional or physical, and whether that's modifying something or doing a different practice or whatever. But like sometimes, but if we focus on it too much, which is the case with me and maybe a lot of people, is I focus on it so much that like it's, I even begin to move more injured. And Mm -hmm. I think that exacerbates it sometimes. Like you're trying to protect it, but you know, then I, when I'm not focused in my practice, I get really sloppy and I'm not really aware of like how my body's moving. And, you know, my teacher calls more injuries. Yeah. will be like, do you realize you're doing this? And I'm like, what? Like, I don't even see it. And then I get hurt again. So, you know, getting really focused and like pulling everything together and thinking about my breath and like how I can be strong within the practice and pull it all in as opposed to kind of letting my limbs sort of like flop around. (laughs) Yeah. Gumby. Yeah. Um, you know, when I have an injury, the one thing that I've found that will heal it quickly is if I quit focusing on it and I just forget it. Yeah. If I quit trying to, you know, make it into something that it's not or try to force myself into a certain position, if I just let it be and kind of accept it, it usually goes away. I mean, I think that's the the big thing is the acceptance part. And, you know, I mean... Obviously, 
that isn't always the case with every injury out well, there. Yeah, we're yeah. There's we're, mo- we're mainly speaking to like that those sort of like weird pains you get. You guys like, know the injuries we're talking about. Yeah, like if you've experienced it all, it's like you just sort of like constantly like sore in this place, or it feels like you've strained it, but there's actually nothing wrong. Like you haven't torn anything. You maybe have like yeah. Something. If you tear your bicep, don't listen to any of this. Yeah. It's, your pain's not going to go away if you have a torn ligament and you need surgery. Or yeah, you need, go to the doctor. Yeah, go to the doctor if you're concerned at all. But most of the time, what I experience is like a little twinge of something, and then it's like my mind makes it way bigger than it actually means needs to be. Yeah. And then it becomes totally. super real. And it's even to where I'm like, oh, my God, I broke my back. And like that wasn't true because I was moving in other things fine. It was only in certain poses or positions that like I would feel triggered about it mm-hmm. emotional physical and in mm-hmm. I know what I know which injuries that I have when they're an actual injury or if it's you know a samskara or is something or emotional or anything like that like, I, I'm pretty sure I can delineate between the two and I can approach them in the correct way the reason that I know I, I totally agree because the reason I know when it's that is it's always the same thing. Like it's always shows up in the same area for me. It's always like in my, in one of my hips and like kind of lowish back, but mostly oh. in one of my hips. Yeah. When it's. Wait, that's, that's emotional? Or yeah. Yeah. Okay. Emotional. Like I think that I store a lot of stress in my hips and like when I've been injured and stuff, it's usually something kind of random or like it's something that I can really identify like, okay, that is a sleeping demon. Yeah. Like that's a pain. That's a, that's a pain. I need Why to pay would attention you ever to. Say yeah to that? I mean, <laughs> I'm like, yes, sleeping yeah, demons. That's what, that is. Thing. that's what that is. Well, I mean, it's in, but it's hard too, because sometimes it feels so real that you can't distinguish it. So you sometimes have to make like create steps to make sure like to verify, like, there was a point where I was working Dweepada and stuff and my back was really, really sore and I have this fear. I had like a a disc thing or a back thing when I was a teenager and whenever my back hurts, like I immediately am like, oh my God, like I have a disc out of place now mm-hmm. or I have a herniated disc or whatever. So I like, so there was like at one point where it constantly felt really sore and I was kind of freaking out about it and it got worse feeling. And then I went to... I went to a chiropractor or like a, I went to a doctor and went to a chiropractor to kind of see like, am I out of alignment? Is something going on? And like, I didn't even ask him about it. I just was sort of like seeing what he would say. And I said, I had some pain back there and he was like, all right, we'll check it out. And he was like, yeah, everything's fine. You don't have any, nothing is out of place. Like they did scans and everything. It's like, it was fine. And then after that I was like, I'm okay. And I was fine. (laughs) The mind is powerful. Mm -hmm. How was your practice? Today. Today. I cried a lot. I cried throughout. Um, you know, I went in there crying, and I cried throughout the whole thing. Um, it was a really good practice. Uh, sometimes I don't I don't think it's good to say it's good or bad or whatever. Yeah. Um, but you know what I'm saying, and you guys know what I'm saying. Um, I was very open. My body hurt less than it has in a while. Um, and, and that's totally relative. My body probably feels just as good as everybody's but when I say hurt I say that in a very uh wimpy way um <laughs> you know like uh, my my hip hurts and my knees hurt and my shoulder hurts and they're all just smaller pains but um 
yeah, I felt very open and was able to do my full practice. Uh, my knees, which I do believe are more of a um, real injury, um, are a little bit hurting right now. And so I didn't, I didn't kind of lean into Kronavasana, but all in all, it was a, a very peaceful practice. It's good. I mean, your knees have always been kind of a thing that you've struggled with. Yeah. So, but it, very peaceful. Good. Peaceful, peaceful crying. Yeah. Peaceful crying. Um, it's interesting. I like that. But another uh, standard that I gauge my practice against or, you know, evaluate my practice against is how much I sweat and I sweated a lot. So. <laughs> <laughs> it was hot in there today. Yeah, oh my gosh. it's good, but um, it's one of my favorite parts about yoga in general is the fact that it opens your opens up and allows you to purify. Yeah, I mean, I think that it definitely, if anything, even if it doesn't um, – which this is, I guess, another topic. I don't know. But I don't, if, whether or not it actually, like, purifies anything but, like, your skin or whatever, it still has that feeling, which I think matters, too. Yeah, it definitely boils the blood and purifies everything. Yeah. <laughs> Just re-rub the sweat in. Yep, <laughs> that's another thing that I do. And I, even if it's superstitious, I'm going to continue to do all those things and believe all those things. Um, the mind is powerful, right? It just makes everything cooler. Yeah. I mean, that to me sounds very gross, but if it makes yeah. you feel good, then you do it. Tradition. Tradition. <laughs> yeah. Or lineage or Some history. History. Yeah. This um, book, this random book told me that that was what you do with the sweat. You rub it back in, and so that is what I'm going to do now. Well, I won't get in trouble for grabbing my towel every five seconds. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Although I don't know if anybody would get in trouble for grabbing their towel right now with it being so hot. I think it was like, yeah. I mean, I couldn't. There was parts where I couldn't see. It was like just dripping into my eyeballs. It's my favorite. <laughs> uh, it was a uh, it was a good practice. I've had a I've had a pretty good past couple weeks or pretty good week. Um, but yeah. So like what? Kronavasana is still a struggle, but um, I'm gonna approach it mindfully and technically and continue to work through it. So did you know what you, the crying was all about? Like, was it just like random crying or like? Yeah, uh, I know. I know where it stems from and it's, it's good because I mean, that's one of my, um, that's one of the reasons I do yoga or um, that I like it so much is because I, I believe through opening up these, you know, opening up your body and stretching and creating space, um, you're creating space for yourself and uh, I don't know, you're allowing these forces to kind of dissipate and open up. And so any type of anger or emotion and resentment and anything that kind of, that's what, it, that's not what it was, but um, I created space for myself to kind of let these <sighs> physical forces kind of move through the body. Well, I think that's kind of the interesting thing is like, you know, what, especially, I mean, currently in this, like COVID, whatever stuff, like there's a lot of stress going on. And I think that what the practice does that's really beautiful is it always gives the space to be able to move through whatever you're going through and to kind of have that like time to yourself to really focus on yourself, which is really hard to do nowadays. It's like you people move so quickly and 
sometimes emotions don't even get the chance to like boil to the surface. Like yeah. we just are constantly pushing them down, pushing them down. And so sometimes when in practice, there might be a string of like emotional practices. And I think it's just because like, you know, you're allowing the stress and everything to come up. And sometimes you don't even have a choice about it, but like there's really no other places that you have that like freedom or ability to get in touch with what's actually going on and then letting yourself feel it because you kind of have don't also don't have a choice about feeling it sometimes it just like comes up and yeah today yeah and so it can be like building up of stuff and I think that's what I why I really appreciate it is because like I tend to push things I've always tend to sort of push things down until they sort of explode out my ears in weird ways and the practice kind of lets me deal with like the intense emotions that come up for me a lot which like so I haven't prior to yoga you did that because mm-hmm. the Abby I know doesn't really push things down. Yeah, and I think th- that is why I ha- go through lots of seasons of being very like emotional and letting myself yeah, do that's it great. because I, you know, I went through some hard stuff that I didn't really know how to deal with it. So the only thing I knew what to do was just to keep pushing through it. Which sometimes that is what you have to do to like be to survive. It's just like got to push through it because you don't have the tools to be able to deal with what is going on and so I think with yoga I was forced to see just how how much like pain that I was in and over the past like however many years like almost four years of me practicing yeah and you know then being like I got to do something about this because it keeps happening and so then you can kind of like find other other ways to support it like therapy or talking to someone or whatever else but like before that I don't even know if I I mean I would go to therapy but I didn't know what to talk about or I would tell them what they wanted to hear and stuff because like I wasn't very in touch with it and now it's weird because I'm very much an emotional person nowadays like I just right on the surface yeah but I mean those forces like the what like the anger in the know attachment and the dependency and then any type of other emotions that you're dealing with i mean yoga is a tool to kind of move those things throughout and to transform those into more of a positive thing and those positive forces um, and allowing them to to be Um, and i think that today i had a really positive experience with my emotions Um, although i usually i've always viewed like when i'm crying in in somewhat of a negative light uh not today it was a very um i was able to kind of let these things move through my body and i do believe that it broke up some patterning and um and i'd be happy to you know send you to a book that can explain more what pattern the patterns i'm referring to which is kino's second book um Mm -hmm. that's a wonderful book um the one on the intermediate series <clears throat> excuse me and always i'm i'm very sorry for my voice my raspiness um <laughs> yeah it's kind of cool it's not cool <laughs> um it's terrible but i hope you guys can get with it uh but yeah it's i had a very positive practice and because i allowed those emotions or those forces to be viewed in a positive light as opposed to pushing them down and viewing them as negative, which I usually, or in the past, have done. Well, yeah, I mean, I think, th- I, I agree with that. Um, I, and I think um, what I find is that there seems to be a little bit of a balance with things. Like sometimes, sometimes things come up in our 
in our bodies and our in our minds and you don't really know where it came from and it doesn't really matter is you just kind of can release it and you can kind of like I think what happens for me is that like I begin to identify over time like oh this is what this is stemming from because usually like I will you know my emotions have have to go somewhere so I'll be like okay like I'm upset like what is this about and I can kind of figure out what it is but then I don't really know what to do so then so then like an outside help that gives me extra tools to help deal with this and know like what to do like therapy or something yeah you know then can help me like inform my practice as well because like there's there is like a time where recently I was talking with the with my therapist and it was like you know she was like I was going through like some difficulty and I was just like, I just, I don't know what to do with this. Like I want to be different in this way. And I see myself continuing to fall into this pattern, but it's like, I don't know what else to do. And so she was like, well, you know, what do you want to be? Who does it that you want to be? Doing something about like, what's your three ingredients? So if you were a soup, what would be your top three ingredients? Right, you know? Right. Um, and she was like, just like, think about that and just like pretend like sometimes we, if we act as though it then begins to bring more confidence and more like feeling good. And so then you can like, you know, be that person that you want to be. And I then was able to take that and then put it back in my practice. Cause I had been practicing in such like a, um, kind of like that injured, like sad way. I was practicing very sad. Right. And so when I was like, I'm going to be like strong and back into that and powerful and focused and all that stuff. And I'm going to just like practice as though. And then it like really helped me. It was like a small sample size of me being able to like practice in practice being who I want, who I was trying to be, but didn't know how to get there. And so it was kind of like they, they played back and forth a little bit, which I think was which was good. And so there are some people that like say, okay, like yoga is really the only thing that I need. And I think that that is good for that. If that's the case, that's great for me. I needed more. I need, because right. I had been through a lot of really hard stuff that like yoga was going to help me bring to the surface, but then I needed someone else or an outside something to help me like move, move that through. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. I mean, it goes hand in hand with what Santina just said, which oh yeah, Ashtanga cuts you up, and then the therapy puts you back together. And then she said, sometimes the therapy like cut her up, and cuts you up, and then the Ashtanga, Ashtanga puts you. Back. Yeah, they go I hand in hand. I think they do, and I really resonated with that, and um, I I really like that that thought because it's something I've talked about with friends too, where it's like. You know, because we always wonder, why is it that, like, okay, yoga is supposed to make you, like, a better person, right? So, like, why are there bad people in yoga? Like, why do people continue to do these terrible things? Like, how can you be an evil person practicing yoga? Mm -hmm. And, you know, what I had to chat with someone. I mean, I've t talked with several people, but we were kind of talking around, like, you know, sometimes it, it brings up this thing of, like, okay, this is who I am, and you have to, like, accept it. Like, you, you get the mirror is put in front of you. And you're like, okay. And some people are like, I'm fine with this. That's cool. I'm just going to be whatever. And they don't try to, they don't like fix it. It's kind of like what you do with that reflection, I think is what matters. Yeah. And so I think it sometimes that being the only thing can sometimes like our minds like to play, like to make a bunch of stories. Like I love making up stories in my head about things. And I think it can make up a story about like to justify 
what you're doing until you're ready to like change things. But also, I don't think that yoga necessarily makes people good people. No. Mm. Well, I think it can. It I can. Think, I think it. I think it can be used to, you know, help make somebody better or help to better them in certain areas. I guess it just depends on what you're what you mean by a better person because I think that's so relative to each individual person what makes somebody better or what makes somebody a good person uh, I do think yoga is uh, yeah, I found that yoga is the way for me and uh, helping me achieve the person that I want to be or the person that I like the most and the, uh, the most creative the most uh, physically fit the most or probably not physically I'm sure I could do a different modality of um physical exercise that would help me achieve something but i mean what i'm training for yoga helps me be the best patrick possible and i think that is what you just said is like that's the key is the like intention behind it like if you intend like i'm going to use this as to be a good person and that's what you're seeking then that's what you're going to find and i think i've always sort of believed that like if you're like I'm just trying to be better. You're going to get there. But if you're not motivated to do that, if you're like, I'm cool with who I am and I'm, I don't want to change anything. Like I I'm just want to put legs beyond my head. Yeah, I just want to like do cool shapes and I'm not trying to like make myself into anyone, anything better like outside of a yoga pose. Like then. That's dangerous. Yeah, it's super dangerous because then it's like that's where like the ego gets in. I've experienced that too where I'm like, I'm so awesome. Look what I can do. But then mm-hmm. that is more destructive. Well, I think through, a, I mean, the longer you practice, probably the the more that that dissipates, like those feelings. I don't think that you can continue in a shtanga practice and continue to grow an ego like that. I think that eventually it will it will catch up with you. I mean, I think it like kind of eats you alive. I think that, you know, you spend time with yourself in these difficult things and I think over time, I mean, I think you can get away with it to a certain extent. Yeah, but, but the shanga is going to work. Yeah, it's something's going to Something's going to happen. People, and I think that's where people sort of like find they have these like breakdowns. You Which know? is great. I mean, that's why we all do it. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, it's like, again, like speaking from experience, like I don't know, like, <laughs> I feel like, like we, we're like, I feel like always have to be like, just so you know, that we're just talking about what we've seen and observed and the doesn't necessarily mean it's true. Yeah, everybody says that. <laughs> I know, but like, it's kind of like, you're like, yes, That's it makes That's an elegant way to say it, because usually I'm like, I'm a dumbass. <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> I'm just making this up. This is what works for me. Right. It might not be that way for everybody. Well, it's not, but this is our experience with it. Yeah, and I think it, I think it can be if you, you know, I think a lot goes into all of that stuff, and I don't know, it's just like I... I think the reason that I'm like, oh, well, is that there's, I still hear like so many stories and people that are so like upset by Ashtanga or upset by like how people are, or how they behave or all that stuff. And, you know, you're, everyone's kind of like, well, this is so shocking because like yoga is supposed to do this like good thing to people. Why are there terrible, like abusive teachers, people, whatever out there? Like, what is that? You know? And I think, that's kind of where I'm like, I don't really know why that happens. I mean, I think that, like, everyone's just doing the best they can, and sometimes it's who they were before this started that, totally. like, there's a lot more for everyone to dig through. Like, nobody's going to be perfect in all the ways. I think some people are just more socially acceptably terrible right. than others, you know? 
Well, it's Star Wars. You can use the force for good or the force for bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. That's so true. I think it's just, I think it's like kind of unfair to judge people by, I mean, it's like, you know, you quantify like about how much damage someone does to another person, you know, and it might also be that that person was also damaged just as badly and they are at a disadvantage and they're only doing what they know. And so in that way, I have empathy for people, but it doesn't always excuse things. But, you know, I'm, it's hard for me to criticize a lot of people and teachers and stuff because I'm like, well, I don't know if I would be any better if I was in that position. Like, would people view me as like good person, bad person? Like, we don't always really know until we're like, in the situations and so it's just I don't know I think I just like hate to I think I've always been like this like always want to try to understand people as opposed to being like well you you know you shouldn't do this you shouldn't do this whatever I mean there are definitely like moral things obviously but you know it's just kind of like yeah but we can interpret things too like we interpret things the way people act and how they are based on our own experience also so like what the intention was from someone might not be how you how it like went through your mind and kind of recycled and then came in the story that you created based on your past experience, you know? And so then you act as though this person is terrible and then they feel that and then they don't know it. You know, like I've been on those kind of things too, where it's just like you end up like cycles with other people. I don't know. It's like social media also feeds into it. I'm rambling, but you know, well, that would affect your practice too. It would. And that would cause things to come up. Yeah, and it causes, like, some reactions, yeah. But I think that that's where yoga can be used in a positive light because um, I don't always cry or release my emotions through crying. I use yoga as a tool to release those emotions Hmm. without actually shedding a tear. Interesting. But, you know, yeah. I mean, I think that... um, you have a very um, unique ability to be able to be, I mean, you're like this with everything, very thoughtful about how you approach everything and everything's very like, you're able to like assess it and know what's going on and then know what to do. And I think that, you know, because you're just very pragmatic and you're very just like, you know, that's kind of how your brain is very organized, you know, in terms of these things. And, you know, for someone like me, I'm kind of like all over the place. Sometimes I'm like, I'm not sure where this signal's coming from. Like, yeah. I don't know if this is an angry signal or if this is a sad signal or even like maybe I'm just really happy and I'm crying. Does it matter? Yeah, maybe not. I mean, crying because you're happy is fine. I'm just, I, this was yeah. something that, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Ty Landrum and I think that, you know, I study a lot of his online stuff and he wrote an article. And that's kind of where my reference point's always been with crying in yoga. That yoga, you know, crying's fine. Yeah. Crying in yoga's fine. Crying after practice is great. Um, sometimes you need to do that. But throughout a, a like a, a good yoga practice, a good Ashtanga practice, a consistent one, it teaches you how to release those emotions without necessarily crying. Yeah, I don't even know what that means really but that sounds awesome like releasing it without crying i mean i think that there's all to me uh, there's always maybe it's just because that's how i'm built is to always like release article okay emotions coming out my eyes and my nose and stuff which is totally fine but Uh. that's so i think that 
it, I think that that is a way that you've always expressed your emotions. So that's a pattern throughout your entire life. Yeah. That's how you've always let these emotions come up and release. Um, okay, here it is. As we learn to accept the movements of larger physical forces through our bodies, we begin to shift the tenor of the situations in which we find ourselves. We can redirect the forces that underlie emotions like anger, resentment, attachment, fear, jealousy, and greed before they take destructive forms. We can leverage these forces through something more positive, thus promoting kindness, forgiveness, without having to suppress and deceive ourselves about the true feelings. This is not some supernatural ability, just true openness to the vital forces that course through us and connect us all. Through the practice of yoga, we can learn to move these forces throughout every cell of our body and resolve the tensions that gather within and without shedding a tear. I mean, that's, first of all, that sounds very advanced. But yeah, totally. Um, it's, yeah. I mean, I don't know really that much about that, but maybe I'm still, I'm, I mean, I'm still like relatively new and, you know, I... I do know that there is, like, a, um, I remember, like, Sherat saying something about, like, you know, if you're, like, crying uncontrollably on your mat, it's, like, you're not controlling your mind, and so control, I do, I think that maybe kind of it's the same, it's, like, it's not a control to suppress, it's a control to, like, I'm not going to act on this, but I, like, see it, Yeah. and so, like, I've experienced, like, something like that here and there, where it's, like, okay, I'm feeling this weird feeling that I don't like very much and then you have to just like keep moving through it um and you know maybe after like maybe like 10 more years of practice I'll be able to like let that emotion like just move through my body as opposed to like Things. yeah yeah well I mean in today's practice um like when I was controlling my mind as you said and I was focusing on my breath and like you know, I actually just like focusing on my practice and the Tristana and everything like that. I, you know, I, I didn't cry. I didn't have the feeling to cry. But like when I would stop a little bit or like when I went to approach Ekapada or got into Ekapada or and then when I got into Duipada in both poses, like I, I about started crying. And but I caught myself. Um, not that it would have been bad if I would have started crying, but it was just something that I I, I regathered myself and I, I composed myself and I, you know, completed the poses and moved on. But I mean, isn't it like, I don't think there's anything wrong with being able to like that not being a thing. And it's like, how do you know if that control is that like stopping the crying isn't a suppression? I don't. I, and I don't think it, I don't think it's bad one way or the other, but it, the reason I did it in all honesty is because when I cried, I couldn't breathe through my nose. So I was like, quit fucking crying so you can breathe through your nose. Yeah. That's why I did it. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's like part of it too is like, that just what you said kind of brought to mind that like, um, that Michael Jackson, no, not Michael Jackson, Michael Jordan. Mm -hmm. Always, I'd always, I'd always say the wrong one. Anyway, the Michael Jordan documentary. Fundamental difference. Fundamental difference. Michael Jordan documentary mm -hmm. where he talks about like using the anger to kind of fuel him into being like great, like using that as energy. And I can see how like that would be 
um, a thing, you know, I've, I've experienced that a couple times where it's like a feeling comes up and I use it to kind of like fuel as opposed to letting it kind of go all everywhere. And I mean, it's kind of the same thing too, like of just because you feel or think something doesn't mean you need to act on it. Like, yeah. you know, everyone has bad thoughts and everyone has like things that could be very harmful if they acted on it to another person, but they just kind of, if you're, you can able to like control that to be like, I'm not going to like create more damage by acting out on this, which like some people are very good at maybe through more years of yoga that will happen, you know? And I think what I experienced was like, sometimes what I noticed is like, I was unable to, I've been unable to not act on, out on certain things. Like there's, I feel like I've gotten better over the years of being able to be like, okay, I feel this, this is what this is, and we look at it and examine it, all right, and then we're just going to journal about it or whatever and then not do anything. And then sometimes it's like I cannot help myself, and that part it's like I lose control, and that's the part that, like, I am constantly working on to, like, not do. And I feel like that's what yoga's for. Yeah. Right here, check this. What yoga provides us with tools to release the physical currents that underlie these emotions more completely than we could with crying. The act of crying always reinforces some pattern of emotional expression. And yoga teaches us to disrupt such patterns before they take shape. You know, that's actually really true because, like, there have been times, there have been times where I've gotten emotional in practice and it's like I begin to just, like, spiral. Just let it go. But, like, not just, like, in terms of, like, crying out my eyeballs it's like right your mind my mind it just goes into like oh my god this I feel sad oh my god this thing happened oh my god my life is terrible oh my god everything sucks oh my god I'm depressed and it's like tornado yeah and it's like and then for the rest of the day I'm just like I cannot get it back under control because it's like stirred something up totally so that makes that makes a lot of sense I mean I think that you know, there was another time too where I, I started to cry and then I was like, no, I got to keep moving. And I kept moving and I wasn't trying to stop crying. I was just like, I just have to keep going and breathing. And then I stopped and I felt better at the end. And I mean, this happened maybe once or twice. And, you know, I think it's like, that's a really good thing to think about is like, you know, it's okay to cry and pull it, pull it out. But when you start to find yourself spiraling out of control, like yeah. you got to pull that back in. And sometimes... For me, the only way to do that is if I, like, focus real hard back into my practice, like, on the vinyasa count, on the breath, like, on the movements, and I'm on, like, bandhas, like, all the, you know, the Tristana method. Mm -hmm. Like, that, I think, is what makes the stronger, like, that that emphasis on that, as I think what makes it so therapeutic, is it, like, keeps you focused, and it doesn't, like, like, it is about the poses, but the poses really are just, like, the challenge to like test your body to be like okay can you hold it together here can you hold it together here all right what about here yeah because you start crying during ganda it's gonna get kind of crazy yeah yeah it's like if i'm falling apart in a kapatasana or something yeah like forget about trying to do a pose like ganda like no like even like attempting that can be dangerous for people i think that's why like you know, that pushing people through the practice really quickly. Like I was, I went through it pretty quickly, but I think sometimes I wonder like if like. You were guided through it mindfully. I was, but there's sometimes like where people try to rush themselves or they're not what they are not doing it with the teacher and it can be really bad. Yeah. You know, I agree. I think in, I think in my case it was like, I, if I get bored, then I get unfocused. And so yeah, I need a challenge. I think that you needed or 
I think that your mental practice or your mind is slowly catching up with your physical ability. Yeah. In your yoga practice. Yeah. And, and at least that's what I'm seeing. It's you're slowly becoming a, you're more able to, you know, you you can you can probably finish four series right now if you wanted to. But mentally are you ready to do it? I don't know. And I think that that's where a good teacher steps in. Yeah, I mean, I think like I've been um, you know, held at the like a certain like section of third for a while kind of like here's a pose, now we're going to take it away, and then we're going to get back, like, this, like, back and forth, and then, like, staying at this thing for a while to where, like, I really did have to work to, like, control everything because what would happen is I would, like, approach my emotional threshold because, like, I was physically challenged that much, and it was, like, I kept backing off my practice, and so I finally was, like, you know. And that's where maturity comes in. Yeah. And I'd always be, ask my teacher, like, how, why I can do this pose? Why am I not getting the next ones? And he's like, I need to see you have more consistency. And I was like, okay. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I, and I was like, well, I practice every day. And it's like, oh, but do I practice with the same type of effort and can, and like mental consistency? Like, no. Well, and I don't even think effort is, I mean, effort's one thing, but um, so is just, you know, ease. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess it's like the consistent quality is really what I'm trying to find because sometimes it is effort and sometimes it's like not really effort. It's just like focus. Sometimes when I give more effort, I, yeah, I have the worst. Yes, yeah, true. Like, that's uh, honestly, try like too when hard. I try too hard, that's when I, I get myself into trouble and I hurt and I'm yeah. sore and I'm tight. And But when I just let go and I'm just like, okay, yep. that's when things things feel easier. And I have peaceful practices. And I feel it's just, it's focusing on breath. Yeah. 100%. And, and, and that's what it always comes back to me, is when I'm, I quit training and I don't rigidify in poses and I focus on, you know, moving the breath through my entire body. Yeah. Things feel good. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, the, uh, I feel like sometimes the trying too hard or, like, the physical straining is um it's like a coping thing because it takes a lot of effort but in a different kind of effort of like focused effort to like bring it into ease where it's just like you know but sometimes I find myself fighting it where it's like I just want to like you know burl through it and yeah and just like but this is what I know works and it's like but you can't always lean on like what you know works sometimes you have to like let go and trust that you can still like do the things it's like usually when I'm like trying really hard it's because I don't trust myself I think that that's probably where a lot of um you know beginning students get themselves into trouble Mm -hmm. because they're forced forcing things yeah and you force things a lot like brings in especially in like Talk about bringing up anger. Yeah, I mean, especially in poses, like, in second series, and I think that's why second series can be so triggering for people, is that, like, in primary series, there is a little bit more of a correlation between, like, effort and strength and, like, being able to get through the practice. You know, like, there's not as much, like, ease within... It becomes... There becomes a level of ease later, but, like, when you're going through it, like, you don't have to, like, really relax to be able to get into poses. Right. But sometimes it just depends on where you are. But for me, it, I didn't, there wasn't really that. 
second series. The second series, it's like you had like the key to it really is like you learning to relax when you really don't want to because like you're you're like going into like a back like an intense back bend and like your whole body's like no. Starting at at Pashasana, if you don't relax in Pashasana, oh yeah, like it, like from there it's just like hey, when I go into it, I'm like okay, level two go, and then it's just calm down, relax. Yeah, like don't do that. It's like, because it's like, bring that one would bring, bring, like, bring up like frustration. Because you're like, oh, yeah, that's not that hard. That doesn't look that hard. Whatever. It's not that hard. But then, like, when you can't reach your fingers around and you're like on your tippy toes or trying to find the balance at the same time, you get so frustrated and you try harder and then you're like, oh, I hate that. And trying harder is counterintuitive to how you're going to get it. Yep. I remember finding that, like, you know, the same thing happened where I was like very, feeling very triggered and like, the putting my legs on my head, like, I'd try so hard, and I was, like, holding on, like, I was, like, basically engaging everything, which, like, you want to, like, relax your hips, and you want to, like, relax into these poses, and, like, my tendency is to muscle through it, and it was, like, once I learned, like, oh, I just need to breathe through this, and I could let go, then, like, all of a sudden, I wasn't getting so worked up in second series, like, it became, like, more of, like, a I was like, okay, I'm going to think of this as like I'm stretching things out. So I have to relax in order to stretch. Like I'm stretching yeah. my front in order to do a back bend. I'm like stretching my hips, you know. And so then it was like I found a little bit more like relaxation within it. And I was, I remember like getting to the end of a practice and not being out of breath. And I was like, what on earth? What? <laughs> why am I not red and sweaty? Ugh. Exactly. Why am I not? Tapas. That's yeah. why. Yeah. Yeah. It's like. I'm going to continue to like press into this, like find, find my breath and relax. Like, especially in the back bends, it's like, you want like the tension in your belly. Like you, you sometimes Jeez, everybody yep. wants to hold like, uh, you know, Just and it's chill. like, you really have to like relax Thank and like let your ribs expand. And that is really, really vulnerable feeling. Yeah. All of second series is pretty vulnerable. Yeah. Um, but I think that what you just said about like you know and getting red and sweaty, I think that there's there's a difference between you know well, tapas again. Well, there's a difference between you know trying too hard, getting all red and anger and like having that sweat. There's a difference between that type of sweat and then like just kind of like the I'm chilled out. I had a good practice. Like I cleanse. Like well, I mean, I th- this is I guess how I determine it because I didn't always practice in this in this space where it's kept pretty warm and it's pretty humid. Like when I amazing. Yeah. So sometimes that's like the environmental part where you, where you sweat because it's, you know, of course, but it's like when I would practice here at home and do it and I would, sometimes I would get really, I'd be like sweaty or like when I was in, lived in Chattanooga, I'd be like in that place or like at home or whatever, like I wouldn't really get that sweaty. Like, I remember being like, I don't really sweat in practice. And it, well, it wasn't until, like, I came to Columbus at AYC that I was like, I'd always get so sweaty. And some of it's just, like, how the room is kept. So it's kind of hard. You, I'm always sweating there. But yeah, I guess I mean, like, in, in the places where it's, like, you don't have that. Yeah, listen, I understand <laughs> that there's a huge external factor as to how much sweat you produce that from the humidity to the temperature of the room to the amount of people in the room, all of that. That takes a big... Well, I guess I'm talking about like the internal... But the internal temperature, part. yeah, it, 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 it the breath dictates it. Mm-hmm. And like When I wasn't breathing, I would get really hot or not breathing correctly. 
Oh, yeah. I always struggled with breath. Because, I, I mean, I would hold my breath because I'd strain and hold my breath. And then it, it's worse. You, like, can't do it. You can't do it in, in second series. But it is so hard not to do it. And that's when the anger came up. Yep. For me. Yep. I would get angry. I'd be like, why is Navasana so hard? That's not in second series. I know, but I was talking <laughs> about, like, in the beginning when I wasn't breathing right. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think I, I kind of unlocked it when I went to, I did lead second with Sherat in New York. It was like 2017, I guess. Okay. I and um, like the first, the first practice was so hard, like, cause I was like nervous and all that stuff. And I like, I fell out of Pintra and I had to sit in the back and I was whatever. So the second day I tried to press through it and um, remember in headstand, at the end, I mean, I was able to get through it, and, like, I remember being, like, I'm just going to breathe, and I remember in headstand, he does these really long counts in headstand, and in all of closing, and so I was, like, I was, like, shaking, because it was really, you're in it for so long, and then all of a sudden, I was, like, okay, I'm just going to, like, breathe exactly to his count, and so I would, like, inhale, like, he'd be, like, one, inhale, exhale, too, and, you know, easier. and all of a sudden I was able to relax and it was easier yeah. and I could hold it the whole time and I was like oh and that was like a little like light bulb moment where I was like if I and so the net then like the third day that's what I did I just followed his exact count. breath count except yeah. when he was like messing with people but he kind of kept it pretty consistent there he wasn't whatever but I kept it like right where he was like saying like the pace of the breath and it like changed everything mm-hmm. it's crazy totally does I mean, it, he does hold things. I mean, just practice them on Zoom. And I have got, I have caught myself getting mad at him, like, <laughs> like for holding the count longer or things like that. But then I do. I remind myself that exact thing. Just follow and breathe with it. Yeah, it's like, and it makes everything easier. Control, like, because I think he, I think part of the thing is he like pauses during the, like, does those long counts, and I, it is like to challenge physically, but also sometimes I think it's probably like. At least for me, it's like if I can, like, slow my breath down when I really want to, my breath really wants to quicken. You know, you're in, like, Navasana, you're like, (sighs) but if you can, like, (sighs) like, really, like, slow that down, then you become a lot calmer. And that's kind of, and Uputihi, when he would do that, like, that's what I tried to do, too. I mean, obviously, that was a little bit harder because sometimes you'd just be like, one. Yeah. Go, like, take a bath and break, come back, two, you know. But it was just, like go slow breath as you can and it was like I could like relax while holding that for forever I also think that this practice does a good job at getting you more in touch with the subtle body if it like or these subtle aspects of your body that kind of it allows you to see things a little bit better or feel things a little bit more precisely Um, because before yoga I like I I don't really remember what I felt like but I Mm -hmm. can tell you that I probably did not notice like the small, very delicate sensations that I feel now that I'm able to feel. Um, So it just, it it provides like a tool to get way more in touch with these things. And as a result, I think that it allows you to be more in touch with the emotions that come up. And, you know, I think what the cool thing is like, you know, we always say like the thing about the experience, but I think that like what's beautiful about it is that we all have, a lot of things we experience are very similar, you know, like there's this collective experience of this thing. And, um, 
Eddie Stern talks about in his book too, of like why yeah. like that oneness where it's just like it's interesting yep. how like everyone, we have this shared experience of this. Oh, I know everybody feels the same way we do. And then there, but just then there's kidding. also like different, no, but I mean, there's like some of it is like, you're like, oh my gosh, like this is crazy. Like how I thought I was only one, but there are still things that are very, it's like very an individual thing for everybody because everyone has a different life that they have to like figure out how to like live into and work through. Yeah. But we kind of on the same, it like does this back and forth thing where it's very individualistic, but also collective at the same time. Well, I mean, I think that's like why it's always so important to like, you know, also say that experiencing because not one person can speak for everyone. It's kind of like everyone's voice together is how I know. It's like one person saying it is like, okay, well, maybe me and you are the same. But then I see the same stuff over and over and over again. And then I'm like, okay. Well, that's how, and that's how things progress. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's, you know, in in a way, I think that this is probably like human experience is that like there is this collective experience, even though individual, like we all experience a lot of the same things throughout life, you know, here and there, but there's, it puts it in like a very, like, again, a very structured way to experience life to where you can kind of name this pose brings up this, this thing does this, like this, you know, we can kind of like quantify it a little bit better and then change if, if necessary. And I think that's kind of what is really um, beautiful about it is it just kind of shines this like light onto the human experience as people from like all over the world doing this practice and experiencing a lot of the same things. It's like, you wouldn't know that otherwise because everything else feels so different on the outside. We're all in different like countries, communities, lifestyles, socioeconomic, like whatever, you know, but then there's this common language of yoga that kind of brings all of us together to experience life. And we're like, oh, I'm actually not that, we're actually not all that different, you know, like it doesn't really matter. Like that external stuff is really just that is external. And like the internal stuff is what we, we all have the same kind of emotions and feelings and like go through the same stuff. And you see that such, in such a beautiful way in Ashtanga. And it's through the documentation and through talking about that yep. that allows us to contribute new knowledge to the field and allows the field to grow. So yes. That's why it's so important to share those experiences and to talk about it into because it, it allows for growth and allows for books like Eddie Stern's. And, you know, I think that's kind of interesting, too, because, like, there is this thing of, like, nobody's really in charge. I mean, yeah, there's kind of Sherat, but, like, really. Right there's a little bit of an element where he's kind of like, well, this is like how it is, but he's not very like, you know, people have different um, experiences about that. They but different it, forms of teaching. They have different philosophies. Oh, people want him to be more of a leader, all this stuff. And he doesn't really like take that. It's the most yogic thing I've ever seen. Which I think is kind of wonderful because it's still, it puts it back on us. Like we want to take the responsibility and put it on to someone above us. We want to do that with our teachers. We want to do that with the people around us. But it's like, no, like this is your life. This is for you to do just practice yoga. And that's kind of like what he would always kind of like say. It's like people would ask him questions wanting some authority. And there is like, he wouldn't always give it. And I think that is, is frustrating for people, but... I think it's kind of like, like, I'm not going to define this experience for you. Like, this is my experience. I'm just guiding you. I've done, been around longer, so I know how this works. But, like, I'm not here to say, like, this must be, you know, and in, like, a, in like a broad sense, you know, it's just, like, even though he, like, has, like, these sort of code things, there's nothing that follows up on it or whatever, and people do, they kind of keep everybody just in, like, a certain 
like stay within the boundaries or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so I think it like, there's so many viewpoints and stuff. And I think it's like, none of them are, none of them are wrong. It's just adding to the experience, like adding to this field of knowledge, like you said. I don't know if they're not wrong, but I think that's a, it's the mark of a good teacher yeah. or the mark of a good coach to guide people like that. And then kind of like step back and let yeah. them. How many Ashtanga practitioners do you think have cried on their mat? What percentage? Like 100%. You think 100? I don't know anybody that has never cried. I mean, like, unless they just started. Like, I think there's, like, you know, you maybe have to give a period of time sometimes, but, like... For people, I would love to see David Kyle put, like, do one of those uh, surveys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So maybe if we it, should for, do a survey. For, okay. <laughs> uh, for people who have practiced more than a year. Yeah. Uh, whether or not you've cried, a, cried on your mat or not. Well, we, we what he does, he'll quantify it by, like, male, female, like, experience with practice, what they practice, that kind of stuff. So sure. we can even see if we're right yeah. about that. Because I don't know. Maybe you stage, cry more, more in the first year. I'm not sure. Probably. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, well, I cried a lot the first year. I feel like you either quit or you cry. Yeah, that is true. You either come face to face and you're like, nope. and you. It's <laughs> and too hard. It's too hard. I'm crying way too much. I almost quit this year because I was like, I mean, I don't think I could have really, but I was like the closest I've been to where I've been like, I don't know if I actually want to do this anymore because I'm crying every day. I'm miserable. I hate this. Like, I don't like what I'm seeing. And then it's like, all right, I've got a choice. I can quit or I can like figure out what this is about. I think the best thing for any Ashtangi is, or the best thing to happen to any Ashtangi is for them to quit and realize what life is like without Ashtanga again. Oh, yeah. Send you right back. Yep. Yep. Yeah, because, like, I wouldn't quit, but I kind of would, like, I just went, like, down this thing of, like, not trying as hard or doing, like, small practice. And it's like, you know, I wouldn't do consistent or, like, not do every day, you know. I would just kind of, like, yeah. sort of let try. It was like I was trying to see if I could let it peter out, and then it was just, like, Okay, no. I did the same thing two winters ago. You did. I know. That's what I, I just like, thought of. I would like wake up to do sun salutations and just do back bends, play music. Yep. And like, yeah. Yep. I didn't. It was. I didn't it was like Patrick's my, greatest hits. Yeah. That was yeah, my favorite was. thing. <laughs> I tell everybody about that. Like when people struggle, we. Just, I mean, we kind of talked about it. when people struggle, like to practice at home or they're trying to re whatever. I would tell. I tell them about Patrick's greatest hits. Yep. I thought it was great. It was a terrible time in my life. <laughs> but it was kind of smart. It's kind of like, all right, what do I like about it? I'm just going to do things I like. And then you're like, okay, well, this doesn't feel right without. And you kept adding things back in. And yeah, you kept and I adding slowly on, just added just, back up to my practice. Right, right. <laughs> it's like, all right. So it was like progressive overload. It was just, <laughs> you know, programming. Yeah. But, I mean, it made me value the practice, my practice, how it makes me feel, what I'm like without it. It. It gave me, it, it allowed me to get out of the tunnel and to see the tunnel and to see the practice in a different light and to know that it's, it is a pivotal part of who I am. Yeah, I know. I mean, same. I mean, even though like sometimes I'm like, I think questioning it and taking those steps to go like step away from it to see if you'll step back into it. Because remember you've been saying that like, you know, you weren't going to quit, but you just wanted to see if you missed it. Even, like, 
you know, practicing at the shala or practicing on your own. I mean, it's like we kind of, we got, we battle it back and forth, like what's going to be right for us. And I think that that's kind of an important thing to do too, to make sure like, okay, am I doing this for me or am I doing this for someone else? Am I yep. doing it because like my teacher is going to give me a hard time if I don't do it? Or is it because like, I really value this experience of practicing every day. And I think it's really beneficial for like, everyone to go through that at some point. And so if you do go through that, like not give yourself too hard of a time, just like see like, all right, well, if I'm not, if this isn't good for me, if this isn't right for me, then like, I'm not going to, I'm, then it's not. And that's okay. You know? Totally. And then sometimes you're like, okay, well. I would love to hear from former Shtangis. Me too. Like if they still like kind of practice it. Or like what they do now. Yeah. Do they miss it? Yeah. It's funny because I, I feel like I've seen a lot of people just on Instagram, like people that I have like seen kind of come and go. They usually just talk shit about it. Well, that's what it's always the same. They talk, kind of talk shit about it. It's like not doing this anymore, whatever. And then like slowly over time, at least the ones that I have followed, the majority of them end up kind of like all of a sudden you'll you'll see them like sneak in a pose doing like Mary Chastney. They're like whoops, or like they kind of like sneak yep. like yeah, they're like well, I just had to see what happened, you know. And then it's like. I see a lot of them come back and I don't know if that's everyone or they they do a modified version of it or they do something that's like similar, similar but yeah. not quite the same um, structure. Yeah. It's like maybe that particular structure didn't work, but they found something that did. I want to get somebody on the podcast. I quit. Me too. Who quit? Let's find someone. If you, right. if you quit your practice and you want us to talk to you, reach out. Well, <laughs> you either quit or you cry. So you quit or you're crying. Maybe both. I don't really want to blame teachers for that, but really you can't fully well, ever blame one other person for I think experience. every situation is so different. No, it is. I'm just saying, like, in my, in, I mean, I have been through, like, a you know, abusive relationship. I know how hard it is to get out of things, so I'm not going to be the one of those people that's like, well, you should have just left. But I think there is something to be said. Like, you, sometimes you have to go through that stuff to recognize you know, after time where it's like, okay, well, that wasn't this whole thing. That was that teacher. Or like, that really isn't what this is about. This was this person that was not, that was unhinged and was taking it out on me and was abusive towards me. And right. now I know, now I recognize the signs and I can remove myself from that situation because I still value the practice. For clarity, you're not saying an abusive relationship with a teacher. No, 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 no. With an ex, I would, I talked about this a little bit before yeah but just to clarify not with a teacher okay. no thank god i mean that, that is a experience for some people well with ashanga emotions are going to come up they're not bad they're not good just watch them and let them come up and if yeah. you express them or you allow them to you know dissipate through crying that's fine or you use the yoga to you know move those emotions through you and allow those forces to go away by themselves yeah and I think at the end of the day it's like really all about um like taking responsibility for your own practice you know like you have to decide what to do with like with the emotions how you're going to feel them and express them and it's really like your own thing like you really can't um you know because no one can reach inside of you and say, like, this is how you control your emotions. Like, you have to figure that out. And you have to figure out how to get through practice despite emotions and pain. Someone can, like, push you or someone can choose not to push you or whatever. But in the end, it's like it, you have to 
It has to be come from within. It can't come from any other outside force. As much as we want to put that on other people or on, you know, the system as a whole, we want to put blame everywhere. It's like that usually does no good in terms of our own growth because usually there's a shared something that happens or sometimes there's like the stories we make up are easy to project and to, because our minds want to like avoid the things that are hard. So it's like all, I think that all those like emotions coming up is important because then you have to like learn how to deal with them because they're going to be, they're going to be with you no matter what. So in the long run, the most important thing is to hold space for yourself by practicing. It makes it easier to hold space for other people too. You have more compassion if you can do it for yourself. But the only way you can do that is by practicing. Right. Okay. All right. See you guys next time. Bye. Bye.